John chapter 7, starting in verse 37. And this is what the Word of God says. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this Jesus said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David, and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over Jesus. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on them. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is a curse. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing, learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So we dive into the scriptures together this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. We thank you together today as a community for your word. We thank you for the gift to come to it, to read it. We ask that you would give us fresh revelation of your word today. uh, That you would speak to us as we look at the nook and crannies of it. That you would excavate our hearts, that they would come to know you. Uh, that we would be willing to admit this morning that we're thirsty, that you're the living water, Uh, that you would push anything that's in our mind right now to the side, that we could just focus on your presence. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. We invite you in, that you would have your way. Your your presence is all that we desire. And we love you. It's your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen. Amen. Uh, Do you know this morning uh, that Jesus is all for you? Uh, Always and totally and completely loving towards you. That Jesus uh, is more than just a name that we throw around. That his holds power. That he and he alone is the only thing central to the story. And his desires are always good and loving towards us. That he is good. That it's not just in his nature. But it is his nature that he communicates to us everything of his goodness that we are capable of receiving. That Jesus loves us with a love which no words are adequate to explain. That with all of our thoughts or imaginations and the goodness and glory of the living God cannot attain the heights and depths of which Jesus loves us. Not only collectively, not only just all of us together right here in this room or in the world of humanity, but uniquely. And individually, the color of your eyes, the quirk of your smile, the way you talk, the way in which your hair or the lack of your hair is assembled, the curl of your toes, the creases in your hands. Jesus, he he delights to take you in, to gaze upon you as his creation with absolute love and devotion. He's the beginning, the middle, and the end of everything to us he is the kindness that leads us to repentance to turning from an old way of living into a new way of living in and through and with him of life to the full 
He is our consolation in grief. He's our support in trial. There's nothing good, nothing beautiful, nothing holy, nothing joyous, which Jesus is not to those whom he calls beloved. That there's no need to be poor. Because if we wish, we can have Jesus in our own possession. That there's no reason to be sorrowful for Jesus. He, he's the joy of heaven. And it is his joy to enter into heavy, broken, guilty, hurting, wounded hearts. And that you and I, we were the joy that was set before him as he endured the cross. You see, in this life, you and I, we can exaggerate about many things. But we can never exaggerate about the compassionate, abundant love that Jesus has for you, for me, for all the people. That all of our lives long, we could talk of this Jesus, and there are so many sweet things that are to be said about him, but we could never exhaust it enough. That eternity will not be long enough to know all that he is. Eternity will not be long enough to praise him for all that he has done. Jesus, he holds nothing back from us. There's not a limb of his body that has not suffered for us. There's not a pain or a shame or an indignity, a suffering, a sadness that he has not willingly experienced for us. There's not a drop of his blood, a sweat of his brow, a thought in his mind or a beat of his heart which is not an act of love to us. Do you know this morning that Jesus is all for you. That he is all satisfying and he is the only life in which we find ours. That's the passage that we just read. That's the passage that we just read in John chapter 7. If anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. If anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. Have you heard that passage before? Have you read that passage before? Have you heard that invitation before? It's pretty familiar words in the local church and the Sunday schools and the Christian lives that we find ourselves swimming in. Have you heard it before? Then why are you still thirsty? Why am I still thirsty? Why are we still thirsty? Are we coming to this Jesus who we just heard deeply loves us, holds nothing back from us, that is all satisfying, that is the only life in which we find ours? Are we coming to him, allowing the thirst of our lives to be satisfied by the living water? Or do we look at the cross and it hardly moves us? We hear of his passion for us, but our eyes are dry and our hearts are indifferent. We go into prayer with a laundry list of demands. We enter into worship only hoping to feel better about our lives rather than bringing glory and honor to the one who gives us breath. We do good to others, only hopes to be seen and serve self. We have, I've heard it before, type of responses. Or I don't really have time to take it all in. Or hey... I'm doing better than them. Are we hearing Jesus in this moment? I mean, this is a life-altering invitation from the God-man. If anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me as the scripture has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. What an invitation to quench the thirst of the human heart. The fulfillment of all desires, a river running through the desert of our life. It is awesome. It is incredible. It is absolutely amazing. And the people who heard it then respond very similarly to how you and I hear it now. Peek at it with me starting in verse 40. When they heard these words, so they heard them. When they heard these words, so they, they heard what Jesus had said. Some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David? Comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, no one spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? Nicodemus speaks up, who'd gone to him before. Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. I mean, really imagine this moment. Jesus, the son of the living God, is standing right in front of them. He says, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. I can quench the thirst of the human heart. I'm the fulfillment of all desires. Through my spirit alive in you, it'll be like a river running through the desert of your life. Jesus is standing there and says all of that. And they hear him. A life-altering invitation. And look what happens. Arguing broke out. Division among the people appeared. A distracted crowd. So much noise. People spent time talking about what Jesus had said rather than taking him up on his invitation. Opinions were shared about messianic expectations, prophetic locations, political agendas, who's in and who's out, rules and regulations and programs and systems. And in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all the noise and all the distraction, the talking about what Jesus had said but not coming to him, something devastating happened. No one drank. No one drank. No one came who was thirsty. People got so caught up in their thoughts about God that they stopped seeking the living God. They left full of ideas and opinions, but empty of Jesus. A river of information in a spiritual drought. Because, I mean, I've, I've heard it before. I'm doing better than them. And I can think all the thoughts. And there we are, just like the people in the passage. Thirsty, but deaf to the life-altering invitation. A pastor friend of mine shared, as the body of Christ today, we need to stop wasting time about things that just don't matter and instead seek the living water and stop drinking from the broken cistern of culture. Because the truth is, the world is not aching for more noise. We don't need more distraction. We don't need more awesome ideas or smart people. We don't need more great sermons or more awesome worship sets. We don't need better of this or better of that. No amount of attaining anything can fulfill whatever it is we are hoping to fill. We are thirsty. And there is only one living water. 
and his name is Jesus. And he invites us, come to me and drink. And he holds nothing back from us because of his deep compassion and love for us. So then the question is, how? How, how do we come? Well, the gift of the water is free. It's free. The condition you must meet in order to get the water is need. If anyone thirsts, that's the condition. Are you thirsty? Are you willing to admit you are? Boomtown, you are qualified for this living water. The action you must take now is to drink. Receive the gift. There is no hint here in Jesus' invitation of earning or meriting or striving or checking empty checkbox religion games. Nope. Are you thirsty? Anyone? And are you willing to admit your thirst? Because if you are, you are invited. Anyone? But here's the kicker. Here's the reality that we must be willing to swallow, digest, and allow into the very depths of our heart. Here's what we out west in the church, we don't like that much. The body of the Christ here and now, we're, we're not accustomed to this. You see, we can no longer be fooled into believing that we are called and created to drink from this Jesus in the fullness of his life once. Only once. Only once and we're good to go. I mean, I had a sip and I was satisfied for a moment, but then I walked away. Only drinking once, fooled, thinking that we're signed, sealed, and delivered. I mean, yes, absolutely, salvation by grace and grace alone. Jesus put the team on his back for that one. But we must be found as followers of Jesus, returning again and again and again and again to the well of this living water, daily dependent on it. That we can no longer be fooled thinking we can last without it. Or that we've heard it before and fooled into thinking that we only need to drink once. But did you know that we can only live without water for four days? Four days without water and it's over. And that's just regular tap water. Can you imagine? This is living water. The way of Jesus becoming the way of our lives. How long do you think we're good to go until we start acting like us again? You think we can be holy as he is holy? Love people like he loves people. Stop yelling at our kids or hating our spouse or gossiping about our friends and enjoy this thing called life by drinking from the well of Jesus once? Acting like we can sip some of the nectar and all of a sudden we really start loving people like Jesus loves people? If my kids speak to me before my cup of coffee, my neighbors think the second coming happened. They're screaming and yelling, I'm about to put a hole in the she-rock. This is not good. You see, we must experience, we must encounter and know this Jesus and let this Jesus and the life of this Jesus become ours. Drink this water. That's the only way this thing works. That so often we say things like, man, I was so moved today by the Spirit. Whoo! I was so moved today by worship. Or, oh, I wasn't really moved today by worship. Or, man, I was so moved today by that message or that conversation, that sunset. Man, I was so moved. But you see, we can't just be moved by it anymore. We need to be changed by it. 
We need to be transformed by this Jesus that we have encountered. And there's a big difference there. One says, I've been enjoying the benefits of Jesus and the church, and my life feels better and warm and fuzzy, and I was moved today, and it was great for my life. The other is Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. I've been crucified with Christ, and now the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Jesus. My life is gone. My only interests now are the interests of Jesus. That's Moses. All the way back in Exodus, when he chooses the new life in the living God, rather than the old life of ease and comfort, no matter the cost to himself, because he encountered the love of the one true God. Hebrews 11 says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be treated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Jesus greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward of Christ. He wasn't moved. He was changed. That's Paul. He had it made. Climbing the ranks of religion, enjoying wealth and status, enjoying the worldly conveniences. Life was as good as it gets for Paul. But he was thirsty. And nothing could satisfy, and he didn't know why. And then he encountered the love of Jesus. And it didn't just move him. It changed everything about him. That later he would record not just this Galatians passage, but Philippians 1. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now he wasn't just moved. He was completely transformed. Would that be us? So changed, so transformed by the life he has given us, so overwhelmed by this love of Jesus that we would say it changed everything about us. That all I can do now is love people the way in which Jesus loves me. All I can do now is talk about people the way in which Jesus talks about me. All I can do now is tell, share, and live into and from what I have experienced. I was thirsty. He invited me to come and drink. And it used to move me, but now it's changed me. And now it's consumed all of me. That the cry of our hearts and the words on our lips would be, I want all of Christ Jesus, or I want nothing at all to do with it. That we got to let it change our heart. we got to come to Jesus so thirsty and so willing to admit that he is the only thing that will satisfy the need of our thirst. Because you see, the gospel... It's so foolish. It's so scandalous. It's so incredible and life-altering that it is a daily battle to believe the full scope of it as we should. But there is no other way to compete with the lies of this world. There is no other way to compete with the sin that swells in my heart and your heart. There is no other way to compete with the attacks of the enemy on our lives other than to overwhelm them all with the daily drinking, daily rehearsing, Daily remembering, living in and from this Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the awesome love of the Heavenly Father. It's all we got. And we must come to Him. Are you with me? So then the question for us is, how do we do that? How do we actually do that? And that's Ephesians 6. We're told as followers of Jesus to take up and put on 
the full armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Scripture says, put on and take up. Meaning, we do not enter into each day just strapped and ready to go. No! That's why some days we believe lies and live into the flesh. And other days we live into the truth and are moved and lived and transformed by the Spirit. We must daily put on and take up the whole armor of God. So what is it? It goes on. Stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Put on and take up those things daily. Come to Jesus and drink daily. Now you and I, we cannot just like after church today go over to Home Depot and buy a breastplate of righteousness. No, not how it works. We must put on and take it up every morning, every single moment. How? Let's stop believing the lies and instead put on the belt of truth given to us by Jesus. You want truth? It's in Jesus. If you wake up in the morning and lies are already swirling in your head, fasten the belt of truth. It's in Jesus. Let's stop living in sin and Instead, put on the blessed parade of righteousness that we did nothing to earn or achieve, but in through Jesus, we can receive. Let's stop standing in chaos, standing with our feet in anxiety, standing with our feet in depression and fear, and instead, put on shoes of peace, standing and declaring, no, this morning when I rolled up out of bed, I put on shoes of peace, and I stand today in the person of peace, and his name is Jesus. Let's stop worrying about tomorrow and instead take up the shield of faith today, which is our hope in Jesus as we believe in him. Let's stop the religion games of efforts and striving and thinking that we got to earn this and take up the helmet of salvation. Jesus has saved you if you call upon him. So the enemy holds no ground now. Let's stop acting like culture and society are the main story to tell. And instead, take up the sword of the Spirit, the Scriptures, the Bible, the unified story that leads to Jesus, who is the only story worth telling. How do we really do it? How does it stop just moving us but actually change us? How do we stop being thirsty? Put on and take up the whole armor of God daily. We don't wake with it. We don't have it on us. We must take it up and put it on daily. We are vulnerable if not. Here's what we commonly do, though. Our alarm goes off. We wake up in the morning. We peel the crusties from our eyes. We reach for our phone. We head down the stairs or across the hall. We hurry out the door. But oh, wait. 
Like the good Christian we are, we run back to our nightstand. We snag the helmet of salvation and whoop, we toss it on us. And then whoop, 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 out the door we go, out into the wild just wearing a helmet. And it's awesome. All the while, all the other armor is left there, waiting to be fastened by the Spirit so we can live in the Spirit in all of our moments. But we just, we just wake up, toss the helmet on because we're saved, right? That's all we need. That's all we need is the body of Christ. Just salvation, good to go, nothing else. No daily dependence on Jesus and living by the Spirit. No strapped in the armor of the Most High God. And you know what we look like? We hold that helmet on and run out the door. We look like a streaker out in the streets. Just butt naked. No wonder you and I are insecure. No wonder we're vulnerable. No wonder we're always trying to cover up our lives. We look like George Costanza after he got out of the pool. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? Vulnerable. Is that really how we're called to live as the body of Christ? No. Take up and put on the whole armor of God. No wonder we look foolish to our friends. No wonder we don't make any sense to our coworkers. No wonder our family's in shambles. We got the helmet on, but we cannot resemble all of Christ Jesus unless we put it all on. For he must be all of us or he can be none of us. With just the helmet on, we don't look like much of Jesus. We have to resemble all of Christ. But then again, that is what so much of the time it is to us, isn't it? Head knowledge. The helmet only covers the head. When coming and drinking, taking up and putting on, it takes daily action, daily devotion, long obedience in the same direction. It's movement that leads to change. Head knowledge is one thing, but Jesus, he has always and only ever been after the heart. Come to me, he says. Are you thirsty? He says, come and drink. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you that you look at us and you desire that we would receive your fullness. Thank you that you look at us and you desire that we would take up and put on the fullness of your love, your mercy, your grace, your goodness. We ask for courage right here and now that you would tear down our old ways of living that you would tear down our old ways of thinking, that you would tear down any religion that would get in the way of us coming to you, the person, and drinking from your life so that we could find ours. We ask that the cry of our hearts and the words on our lips would, we want all of you, Christ Jesus, or we don't want anything at all. Would we not just hear the words and get caught up in talking about them? But would we hear the words of your life-altering invitation and daily come to you and drink. Daily come to you and be filled again with the truth of our belovedness. Would you change everything about us? We worship you. Would you have your way with us here and now? It's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen.